Hello everyone and welcome to the Circular Thinking Podcast. In this podcast I dive deep into conversations with change makers within the circular economy. This first season focuses on circular fashion, where I interview various key persons where we discuss important topics such as what is sustainability, how is the fashion industry adapting to sustainability and circularity and how can we move forward. In this series I speak to CEO and founders of new circular startups within fashion and textile, consultants helping big fashion brands like Hugo Boss and Salando, and with the Berlin Fashion Week hub Neonit. My name is Marcus, I am the creator and founder of the art collective Mesomats. We are an art collective reusing vintage denim in collaboration with contemporary artists. Let's start the show! Today I speak to Max Gilgerman, a consultant in textile and fashion, owner of Kaleidoscope Agency with their biggest client, Messe Frankfurt. He runs the Neonit Hub with his colleague, a trade show and conference that exclusively showcases sustainable fashion brands all over the world. We hear Max's view on sustainability and its rise in everyday businesses. We speak about the term sustainability and the danger that come with it and many more things. Max, welcome to the Circular Fashion Podcast. Thank you, Marcus. And uh, thank you for inviting me to your home. My pleasure. I hope you enjoy the, the moments <laughs> you can stay here. <laughs> of course, of course. I know you're a busy man, so I um, will not keep you busy for too long. You're going to Portugal later today, right? Yeah, one of the last trips this year, but still still busy. Yeah, I see. Um, so, um, first of all, could you tell me a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I did study fashion design, besides many other things, but that's the only study I ever finished. So um, I am kind of a, a fashion designer by uh, education, but I never went into practice with that. I Basically, after my studies, I went straight into consulting, and I've done that for many, many years uh, freelance, and now since one and a half years, I own my own little agency, which I run with my business partner, Magdalena Schaffrin, and uh, yeah, that's kind of the status at the moment. So we we look a lot into um, strategic um, advices for for kind of organizations um, concerning sustainability, mm-hmm. and it's mostly linked to consumer goods and most especially textiles and fashion because that's where we both come from and that's where all our network lies and our experience. And then this agency is called Kaleidoscope. Yeah, Kaleidoscope Berlin. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that's also part of why we're sitting here. One of our um, biggest clients exactly. uh, is Messe Frankfurt. Uh, we do a lot for them, but uh, especially one thing here in Berlin, which has got pretty big over the last uh, 10 years, which is now called Neonit, um, a trade show and a conference and, and uh, many other formats yeah. together. So we call it the Neonit Hub, which um, yeah, exclusively um, showcases sustainable fashion brands, um, players from the value chain and we always we try to invite a lot of stakeholders to the conference so we can discuss how the, yeah. how the industry can become more sustainable. That's very, of course, very, very interesting. How long have you been working, how long has Neonit existed and how long have you been working with it for? Um, well, my business partner founded the Green Showroom, which is kind of um, the f- how one of the uh, previous um, names that, that uh, this whole thing had. Uh, that was more than 10 years ago. 
And I came into it around eight years ago when there was already a green showroom and an ethical fashion show in Berlin. Mm -hmm. um, or actually, I was part of the team that built the ethical fashion show in Berlin. And these two trade shows together, they kind of they merged more and more together. Um, they both already belonged to Messe Frankfurt, but first were run in different locations. Hotel Adlon, the green showroom, and Ewerk uh, ethical fashion show at the beginning. Uh, and then through different stations, we, we, we uh, ended up now being in Tempelhof after all these many years um, that Tempelhof was not being used as a trade show for fashion anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, Neonit in this branding um, exists since one and a half years. Um, so we did a, a major relaunch. And after so many years in this uh, scenery, for us it was clear, um, well, this sort was already at least three, four years old that uh, we need to go with a different name to really step up that, that game and then kind of mm. win over more um, stakeholders to take this serious. And, and actually, uh, in our experience, just the words ethical and green was still mm. putting us into boxes for a lot of people mm -hmm. um, that, that were not helpful for us. Is it easy to get uh, labeled by stakeholders or others into then a certain folder? Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, I think now in the last one and a half, two years, a lot of things has changed. I mm. think green and ethical is actually becoming much more part of the overall branding strategies yeah. uh, of companies, also the wording. Um, so maybe in a way you could say like, oh, you, you changed the name in the wrong moment. Uh, but still, I don't think so because um, it's now being used extensively, but also a lot in ways that you could call greenwashing, I guess, um, which in general is something that is coming back now. I mean, I wasn't worried about greenwashing for many years now because I thought, okay, yeah, it's, it's there, but it's at the end it, it might even be helpful. But now, there's, since a year or something, this whole topic is exploding so strongly yeah. Um, that, yeah, you, you find any company somewhere dealing with fashion textiles, but also in, in all, all kind of other consumer goods industries to claim something in sustainability. And obviously they use, it's green, it's ethical, it's I don't know what. Yeah. Um, but these wordings are becoming a bit meaningless uh, mm -hmm. because what, what does it really mean at the end? And so I'm still happy that with Neonet we have a name where we, we can build our own branding now and give it um, exactly or more or less exactly uh, the meaning we wanted mm -hmm. to have. Um, so it's, it's kind of, it's an empty uh, space which we can fill and we mm -hmm. are filling already. And, and so obviously we, we still... We have stepped away from the name uh, or the words ethical and green, but um, actually we will even become stronger and stronger in terms of um, the mentality behind it and, and the criteria around it. Like what does it mean sustainability for us in our context, um, which is obviously, uh, it is about being green in a way, it is about being ethical, but uh, yeah, we, we try to um, really open it up more. And, and become more and more holistic in, on, on that side. Yeah. Do you have any um, criteria for the brands that you select for? The yeah, brand? yeah. I mean, since the beginning. Um, I mean, actually, the funny thing is, even before I worked for the Ethical Fashion Show Green Showroom, mm -hmm. I already worked with Messe Frankfurt, and I think the first sustainability criteria that they implemented was 2007 in a trade show in, in Hong Kong, the textile trade show, textile sourcing trade show called Intertex. No. Interstoff Asia Essential or something like that. It doesn't exist anymore now. Uh, but I visited that trade show when I was a student in Hong Kong. 
and uh, and, and shortly after that I got in touch with Messe Frankfurt to totally different means and, and actually started working on sustainability criteria for certain shows of them. So I also created a set of sustainability criteria for the uh, home textile um, train show they have every January in, in Frankfurt. And, and so yeah, for Neonit, uh, we still have um, criteria, obviously, and actually we're in the process of renewing them, um, coming up with, with a whole new system. Uh, but so far, um, basically, uh, well, 10 years ago, it was a bit simpler, but then somewhere around seven years ago, uh, we actually, we, we, we sat together with a whole um, range of, of experts and, and, and yeah, created a matrix for us, like how do we judge this kind of sustainability claims that our exhibitors do. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, we, we do have a criteria system. It's at the moment not so easy to kind of really um, put, make it public because there's so many, we, we, we try to be very fair. So we try to really look individual at every case, okay. which means it's quite difficult to put it into a system that works with points or something. Because, I mean, every system will always have its lags and you will always have like somebody kind of, you know, like slipping through the net um, of the system. And yeah. we try to not create a system that, that kind of um, has this inside. So that's, that's the really tricky point, I think. Um, but yeah, basically, mm -hmm. all of our exhibitors have to fill in a, a four-page questionnaire um, on, on all the different sustainability topics. So obviously, it's a lot about raw materials. Uh, it's about the supply chain. Um, how they work along the supply chain in terms of uh, environmental friendliness, uh, chemicals they use, whatever pro mm -hmm. processes are, are implemented. Um, we obviously ask for certifications if they have, but um, we explicitly don't uh, build the, the questionnaire on, on that. Um, we do want brands uh, to tell their own story and to bring yeah. transparency to the table. And we want to be able to based on the transparency that a brand brings to the table to judge are they as sustainable as we mm. expect them to be to be at Neonit trade show. It also sounds smart to have to analyze each brand individually in a way because you have when looking at brands and looking at if, how sustainable they are in their supply chains it's a it's a complex process and everyone you have to look at everyone individually I assume. I, I would say so. Um, Even though it's more time-consuming. Exactly. I mean, that's the problem because, uh, I mean, I guess from like a, a financial sustainability point of view, it's maybe stupid to do it yeah. because it takes a lot of resources. Yeah. You just need to invest time and you need people who actually have been in this business for, for a while so that they, they also have a holistic understanding of sustainability. Mm. Yeah? I mean, it's, it's nice if a brand comes along with, with organic cotton, but just because you use organic cotton, it actually doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, the impact behind exchanging conventional cotton for organic cotton can be relevant, but it can also be minimal, depending yeah. where your organic cotton is coming from, etc. Everything is so much more complex mm. if you start looking into it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it just it's, if you want to do it right, you do need to invest time. That costs money, mm -hmm. and that makes it more complicated again to create business cases out of it, etc. Yeah. But yeah, we're trying to find a good way in between. We can't invest endless time, but we do invest uh, a proper amount of time into each exhibitor that comes, and we do check them all thoroughly. And luckily, we, we, we have it, a lot of exhibitors they, that come to us, they know what to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, I think, the really good um, advantage we have to maybe also other trade shows, uh, because we're known for being that platform. Yeah. We've been doing this for more than 10 years. Um, so st 
still until now, even though the whole thing is exploding, most of the applications we have are on a very high level. So, you know, mostly I can see quite quickly if an exhibitor doesn't fit in at all. Yeah. Um, and then quite often it's more about, okay, learning a bit more, understanding a bit more what they do and, and seeing also how we can maybe highlight them. Because obviously then from, from these, these questionnaires we get interesting information that um, we handle confidentially, but on, on the base of that we can ask exhibitors, would you be willing to talk about a certain aspect because we believe it's an interesting innovation, mm-hmm. it's an interesting special approach which we could um, kind of pass on to media and, and create a special storyline about you and your approach. How would you describe the word sustainability, we said that it's, it's overused. What, what, does, what does sustainability mean for you? Um, well, it, it kind of means a lot because it feels like my whole life is, is arranged around this word <laughs> since a few years. Um, at the same time, yeah, I can't hear it anymore. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's very annoying. Um, I, for me, I'm trying to kind of uh, replace it in my head with something like uh, future viability, future ability. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not, I don't really think we can just introduce another word to make it uh, kind of work better. So at the moment, I don't see anything else how to name it. You know, like it is established. At least everybody has a certain idea about sustainability. We do have the Sustainable Development Goals of the United Nations, which, I mean, United Nations still being like the highest kind of global um, actor that, that, that kind of uh, pushes um, uh, politics onto certain levels. And uh, I mean, obviously you can, can discuss how powerful it really is at the end, but still there's no other kind of global institution on this level and and so I do believe that that's a very very important um, institution and and um, yeah sustainability is the word sustainable is is kind of what, what we talk about sustainable fashion and and I'm, I'm not fighting against it you know it, it, it's it's you you need to also to <laughs> with any yeah with any yeah. word that gets overused yeah you get tired of it yeah I mean innovation um, come on do we really still need to talk about innovation or like everything I mean, back in, in the millennium time, I mean, everything was suddenly so-and-so 2000, you know, like, um, that's, yeah, it's, in that sense, it's, it's trends, I mean, and at the end, yeah. we are working in fashion still, so it's filled with trends, but, um, yeah, I just, in lack of something better, I, mm. I stick to sustainability, but um, as a wording to quickly explain and give people like, okay, this is where you can put us. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you need to offer people also a box where to put you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that from there you can start kind of something else again. Yeah. So how would you describe the current state of sustainable fashion today? Um, on the rise, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, we talked about it before very briefly, but like the last year um, has been another incredible push for sustainability as, as an industry-relevant topic, like mm. through all the, the stakeholders. So basically, I believe, without uh, exaggerating too much, that somewhere around 80% of the industry are definitely kind of seriously dealing with sustainability questions. Mm. Um, if it's serious enough, etc., that's all up for discussion. But they're all dealing with it. There's no way around it anymore. 
Um, the urgency has come out there. I mean, here in Germany, it's maybe a bit special. We also live in this Fridays for Future bubble now, which is not everywhere in the world as strong as it's here. Mm-hmm. But also globally, you can see Greta and and on, and all these kind of the 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 the, the younger generation becoming louder um, in the one or the other way. I mean, in a way, you can also feel this this kind of um, clash in, in in generations going on in Hong Kong. A totally mm-hmm. different storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in certain ways there's this there you can compare them because it's also a generation clash. I mean mm. it's like, well, now it's us, we want to kind of have a say in our future. Mm. Um, and that's kind of happening at different places. So that that has an influence. Um and when you travel around do you And when I travel around, I mean that's that's I just recently had that and, and I uh I kind of did a trip around the world for like different events. So in a very short amount uh, t- amount of time I was in, in, in in Milan, in Milan, in uh, LA, in Shanghai, and in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. and that was some. I mean, it was I don't ex. Uh, I wouldn't recommend uh, such a trip in like two weeks. I think it was. It was funny uh, getting into your own time zone at some point. Yeah. yeah. But uh, the very interesting thing is you can obviously you can compare things quite nicely um, and the discourse and in Italy. Um, I was in, 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 in some more cultural-driven event um, from, from the uh, Auswärtige Abend, so like the, the foreign ministry, etc. And uh, I was at the Fashion Week. And so there, I would say the discourse is quite similar to ours here. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, yeah, what you kind of would expect. Like in Italy, you have maybe a bit more focus on, on also the style side. In Germany, you have a bit more focus on the technology side. Okay. Like kind of these... <laughs> things that they're not they're not all wrong yeah, um, yeah. but obviously you can also uh, have it's very different in LA then obviously crazy consumer culture um, that was the, the first point when I started thinking like okay but really I mean does how far can we get with for example talking about uh, less is more or like enjoying like really like the the the, the craftsmanship behind the product and and, and these mm-hmm. kind of stories which is one part of, of the sustainability discussion sure. eh? and, and quite a lot of people um, do believe that within this there lies a solution to mm-hmm. uh, on, a, on a bigger scale also and, and yeah if we all would consume less sure that would be more sustainable but how realistic that is if you look um, into like American American lifestyle um, what I was seeing there um, and being in the shops and just like uh, floating around a little bit and then downtown LA and then getting like a, the vibe a bit as much as I saw that in that small bubble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't feel like you would get very far with this approach. Okay. And then in Shanghai and, and in Hong Kong, I mean, no way. I don't, that, that's the opposite. They, it, it still felt to me they're just starting. They're just starting to really consume. So there's this. There's also there will also be niches there of of, of mm. artists or like uh, obviously if you look into um, uh, certain beliefs like in, in some of the Asian countries also strongly more Buddhist approach to things then you have some um, cultural kind of anchors which could kind of make consuming less uh, a relevant choice um, but yeah in 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 both cities, I, I've been to shopping halls and I thought like, no way, this is just this is just the beginning. They they're just starting really to make this total mainstream. And if you look at numbers, 
Uh, now there's this single day, which is kind of the the Alibaba version of a Black Friday, as much as I would if you put it very okay. simple. I think mm -hmm. they had more sales in an hour or something than Black Friday in a day. I mean, and that's like Chinese market. I mean, wow! Yeah. So that's I, I I do believe there's a lot of beauty for me personally. I I have a, a total passion for craft products. I mean this this. Storylines behind it and, and the making behind mm -hmm. it, it's beautiful and I enjoy it a lot and I do believe that there's a strong value and we need to kind of have this as one part of, of the sustainability kind of um, um, uh, development. Yeah, of course. Um, but that is, it's not really going to be pushing sustainability in, in, into into volume that that kind of changes something mm. I mean, if well, you look at the global footprint uh, yeah how would you say what are the, the biggest barriers in moving to a more circular economy well basically like everywhere the infrastructure i mean we've built infrastructures for for many decades now in a more or less linear way i mean mm. um, the supply chains are linear um, but also the development of of this the infrastructure has been linear i mean It, there was no big changes. We, we, we still use airplanes and ships for global transport, mostly ships. And, and like the ships have changed all the time, but they just got bigger. Yeah. And, and the ports got bigger and everything got bigger. But in, there was, in that sense, also it got more efficient. I mean, if you look down, like, like the, mm. the fuel per kilogram It's that you transport with a ship, it's amazing. It doesn't even really count into the footprint. It's so small. But then still, obviously, you have a lot of other... Uh, impact from 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 uh, from from shipping, uh, and that is like they use some of the most dirty kind of uh, fuel ever. I mean, yeah. you, that that's the waste product of the waste product of the oil industry, uh, and there's no filters and so on, and and whatever it does to all the animals living in 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 the sea and all these kind of things. I mean, there's there's so we don't even really know what the impact all is, um, but there has been very little innovation in terms of, of different approaches. Huh? Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, the infrastructure is the biggest, biggest problem because you don't change around the infrastructure so quickly. Circularity needs different infrastructures. We're not, not even partly ready to, to recycle all the stuff that we use. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have so much materials, be it in closing, be it in the packaging of closing, being in the packaging of the packaging, like the, the, the postal service or... Um, the the more the bigger logistic packages you have, um, yeah. There's no infrastructure yet. There's there's not even the technology really ready yet to to um, uh, to determine which which material goes into which flow. Uh, I mean, with with clothing, we we have more and more mixed fibers, which from a functional point of view is not even the worst idea. If you combine cotton with polyester, you have the strength of polyester and you have the softness of cotton. Hey, it's it's mm. it's not a bad idea from that point of view. But if you think about recycling, then you need to revalue, reevaluate re that, and, and and might be a really bad idea. Um, I mean, on the other hand, we have more and more poly cotton recycling now, which is okay. But still, we have the question: What is with the microfibers of the polyester? Does it go into our seas and, and everything? So yeah, it becomes a Yeah, never-ending story. Never, never-ending story. Um, and sometimes you can feel like Bill Murray and like waking up every morning and it's always the same story also. <laughs> um, and nothing really changes. Um, but yeah, f f at least I am, um, with all this complexity, <laughs> I'm still very positive. Um, yeah, do you have any good um, 
so more on a positive note, examples of companies that are, well, doing better, because being sustainable or not, it's not a, it's not a one-way street, I know, yeah. but taking sustainable initiatives? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of um, interesting initiatives, uh, be it directly within brands or by brands. I mean, um, certainly one of the stronger triggering ones is um, what the CNA Foundation is pushing into the market, also the H&M Foundation. Um, they both have been kind of strong advocates for, for change in the last few years. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm not, not trying to get into judgment here, but um, um, I guess like CNA been there a bit more. Um, CNA stands for? CNA Foundation. I mean, CNA is, is a big retailer, uh, a European-German retailer, which is um, uh, well, a very relevant size. I mean, there was always um, parts where it was CNA being the biggest buyer of organic cotton, for example, in the world. Mm -hmm. um, always, for, for I don't know how it's right now, but a few years back, it was always it was either Walmart or CNA who was the biggest organic cotton buyer, just because of the volumes that, that they can shoot through. Um, so CNA has been active for a long time and CNA Foundation in, in theory being independent from, from CNA, which obviously is never 100%. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they've been investing a lot into initiatives, also especially on social impact, positive social impact. And one of the things is that they co-founded is the Fashion for Good um, program, which mm -hmm. is based in Amsterdam. And they only exist for three years now, um, but they're pushing startups um, to uh, yeah to help them get into into the market uh, get in touch with with big brands or also with smaller brands but there's a lot of corporates that kind of are part of the program now so CNA Foundation was was a co-initiator um, or even the initiator I'm not hundred percent sure uh, but now also there's there's Zalando there's Otto there's Adidas there's Galerie Lafayette um, there is uh, I, oh, PVH, I think, um, bestseller. There's like so many of these big players, um, the ones that are, are feeling the pressure or the ones also that have been dealing with it already for a while have mm. uh, uh, are, are partaking there. And, and that's in general something you can see over the last 10 years. Um, initiatives like the, the Sustainable Apparel Coalition came up which uh, I think has what more than two-thirds of the market volume in terms of brands and suppliers, etc., that are members of this association. Um, there's been the, the UN, uh, how's that called, Climate Charter for Fashion or Against Action. <laughs> uh, there's the Global Fashion Agenda, um, which is related to the Copenhagen Fashion Summit. They have been doing an amazing job for many years uh, and, and like bringing the industry together. So yeah. this is one very general push I think that happened over the last 10 years um, that there's a more openness to collaborate, there's more openness to exchange data and these kind of things and, mm -hmm. and um, so step by step slowly there came an alignment of, of all these different players. So on the one hand we have these big coalitions um, that do help to kind of um, unify parts of the industry and therefore make it possible to, to move a bit quicker also mm -hmm. um, but at the same time they, they, they here and they tend to block themselves so uh, there's still like single players that, that will be much um, stronger 
Um, and yeah, I mean, H&M, you, you, you have to criticize them a lot because in terms of the volume and uh, you, can all, you, you have to always question, is their business model in the first place ever possibly going to be sustainable mm. with this kind of fast exchange of, of clothes, etc. that they trigger. Um, but at the same time, they have been investing also a lot into all kinds of startups and they have this, this HMM um, Change Award, which is run by the HMM Foundation. Mm. And, and uh, yeah, there you have startups coming out of it, which, which are, for example, strongly looking into circularity and, mm. and, and they really push this agenda and they then kind of, um, through that support, they become um, known and they get more support from other funds and so on. So um, the, the winner this year was Circular Fashion, which is, uh, we're close friends with them. They, they are in the same office here in mm-hmm. Berlin. Um, and, and they really, really working super hard on, on overcoming all these infrastructural pro- uh, problems that we have with circularity and, and try to kind of teach brands how to design for circularity from the beginning. They're building up a material library. They, they, the, one of the main pieces they do is, is an ID for circularity so you yeah. can follow through the whole thing from the beginning till the end. So like um, you know what material is inside the product so that the, the recycler can really recycle it way more easily, etc. Mm-hmm. So they are working hard on it. Or Circular Systems, another uh, former winner of the award, um, is, is working on different ways on how to um, partly produce um, new fibers out of waste materials, food waste, or this and that. They have all kinds of different technologies they look into. Or um, the the uh, natural fiber welding uh, uh, startup from the US, which is probably also one of the most exciting ones at the moment, that are trying to really um, bring a whole new set of, of materials um, into into the industry. Or maybe not even new materials, but like pr- they bring processes into the industry that are scalable and um, make other materials um, usable in the existing infrastructure. And that is one of the biggest, biggest triggers. If you find a way to work with the existing infrastructure and make that more sustainable, relevantly, or in, in, in science, they always say, from significantly more sustainable, huh? mm-hmm. that's the goal. Um, then you have the goal changer. Uh, the, you, then you have the, 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 the mm-hmm. real change-making moments. Um, and we have we have the first players out there now that, for example, that managed to um, use organic cotton instead of conventional cotton without an extra on the price. So they changed the the processes a bit, and I, uh, and, and now they they it's it's uh, it's actually a home textile brand um, that I know. Um, now they they only offer organic cotton to the customers if they want it or not. Mm. Then the customer can decide. Um, if they kind of gonna gonna put the label on it or not, um, but the customer only gets organic cotton because mm. it's the same price. Uh, and actually, funnily, also again, Home Textile, um, there was a, an an exhibitor that for five years had been developing a, a synthetic um, alternative to to polyesters, and it's a cradle cradle um, material that he developed for five years. So heavy investment, I'm sure. But now he managed to create a cradle-to-cradle material that is cheaper than the polyester he used to use. So, I mean, this is the moment when, when you get really into change. Yeah. Because you can show a, a best practice business case to the industry, which saves you money. And after all, that's the main trigger, how things turn around. Yeah. Do you, have, do you believe the, the circular approach, the circular economy can compete with the linear economy? in terms of fashion and textiles? Yeah, totally. I mean, anyway, it has to. I, I, I mean, there's, 
I do think it's it's a bit narrow maybe here and there how it's how it's being approached. I, I'm always against um, there's this closed loop um, buzzword around yeah. um, when you when you talk about circularity. Uh, I I don't like that word at all. I think it's it's pointing in the wrong direction. It should be open loop. Um, why don't you like? Oh, why don't you like the, the word? Yeah, because uh, the, the, um, everything we have created as humans it's, it's too complex to think in closed loops. Um, nature doesn't work in closed loops. I mean, you know, it's it's like you. You, 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 you create something and then mm. it becomes um, a waste product or ideally like a nutrition for something else, a start for something else. Um, but if you only think within like the same kind of circle, um, then you're very limited. If you think um, out of that box, out of the circle, <laughs> thinking out of the circle is probably a new thing, um, then, then you can, um, I think, create, e you can easier create value um, while thinking and while producing in a circular way. Um, there, there needs to be more cross-industrial collaborations for this, mm -hmm. um, which is happening anyway in certain ways, but it's not, it's, it's, it's too much happening like by accident in a way. It's not being planned, um, which obviously then again is, is, is because we have created so, so complex industries where like everybody's super focused in, in their little niche. Mm. Um, and and um, one of the things that's happening too little is is kind of bridges between very different players and the translation between them. Huh? You have so many experts nowadays on something mm -hmm. and they create incredible knowledge and experiences. Um, but then there's very few people that are capable of, of taking at least summaries of those knowledge and translating them for other people to understand them and for other people to possibly do something with it. So quite a lot, I think, of, of all this knowledge that we as a human uh, um, um, uh, population here are creating is quite often very fixed in these small niches and hardly ever gets out there. And that's where we, we waste a lot of uh, potential, I think, to really become more sustainable because there's so much solutions, solutions sinking out there um, but it's it's always a bit too too narrowed down into one direction, and um, we should kind of translate that more in between. Could you talk about measuring growth in the company? Um, would you say that the old parameters of measuring growth purely from a profit perspective is that something something obsolete? Will we have new parameters in the future? How do you how do you see on that now when we measure companies? Yeah, it's pointing in the direction, huh? Um and I, I hope so. Um, <clears throat> I think it's it's a, it's a relevant possible part of the solution to to develop further. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of signals out there if you if you uh, read into kind of also serious business clubs and stuff. Uh, I mean, in Germany we have like the Handelsblatt, which is one of the more uh, well, business focused um, daily. Daily newspapers mm -hmm. um, or the weekly, whatever. Um, you can f you can see how sustainability is also taking a lot of space in in, in their um, uh, in their media now. And uh, one of the things that that for me was quite striking in this context is uh, I always forget the name, but the CEO I think of of BlackRock, so um, possibly the the biggest. Um, investment fund in the world. Mm -hmm. um, he earlier this year had announced that 
he wrote to his most important companies in his portfolio and to tell them that they they need to have a purpose with their um, with their company, and not just one that is written out and put somewhere in a golden frame, but one that is lived in the company culture. So um, he strongly suggested that um, only companies that do actually live a purpose besides the pure money-making machinery, yeah. that only those companies will survive and um, also will be ones that BlackRock is going to invest in. Mm. And these kind of things uh, you can hear from different sides um, and, and especially interesting that a lot of this discussion is also happening in the US. Um, yeah. So at some point there was, I don't know, like around 50, 100 years ago, there was there was other discourses and there, it was not always um, so money focused. There, there was times when, when uh, a relevant amount of, of the economic um, scientists were like saying, no, we need different kind of uh, measurements on, mm. on, on what makes a business successful and and somehow over the years like um, money became or share shareholder value became like the main measurement mm -hmm. um, but yeah I I do believe you can not just feel but you can also read daily um, about the the end the limit of the limitation of this yeah it's after all you, you you can't really do you can do endless things with money but at the same time you can't do anything that that itself has a value i mean you can create value again with money but the money itself doesn't have any value um i mean in terms of yeah you can't eat it you, you can't you know, yeah exactly um and i do think that that is becoming more and more obvious um and um, i'm pretty sure we will see a change there but at the moment, I mean, we are really at a, at a tipping point in so many ways in this world. I mean, our climate apparently is on a tipping point, but also if you look around the societies, they a lot of the societies in the world also seem to be on a tipping point. It's very populistic times. Yeah. You have a lot of split in societies, like here in Germany, or I mean, in the US it feels extra obvious at the moment. Mm. Uh, but you have, I think you have the, the same extremist, um, problems nearly all over the world, mm -hmm. in Turkey, in Russia and so on, it's just that the context is always a bit different. Um, so change is for sure out yeah. there, but the direction, I think that's going to be, <laughs> which direction is going to take, or which direction will we also help to push it towards, yeah. you know? um, that's going to be the exciting thing for the next 10 years. When it comes to see yourself in, in, a, in let's say, five, ten years? Yeah, I hope that what I would personally love to do in the next few years is, is to work with, with a group of um, stakeholders from like the, whole, the whole value chain um, and, and, and showcase what is possible. I do think that this is an important part um, to, to, really, to push the industry to, to take next steps uh, that you create best practice cases that actually show it's possible and you're not losing money, you're making more money with it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, I mean the, the Pepeto mobile there is, is obviously we need to detach the use of classic resources, especially the ones that are in the earth still, from economic growth. Mm. I don't think that we really will will let go from this 
human drive of creating more, wanting more. Mm. Uh, there's the, I, because I think it's, it's curiosity behind it um, that is driving it, which is a, a very kind of um, human thing. Not just human, but for mm. humans, I think it's a very important driver. So uh, quite a lot, we do things just because we can. Uh, and, and it's okay. It's just, I wish that we continue that, but with a bit more reflection behind it and, and with a bit different goal set. And so, yeah, that's, that's my big wish to, to kind of um, get in touch with more companies, with more um, also other NGOs, etc. that, that uh, also other consultants, designers, artists, mm. um, whatever the whole set you need to kind of create new business cases um, that prove you can be um, very sustainable. And by this, I mean like, uh, science-based targets mm -hmm. to to kind of define the 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 the, the, the uh, key performance indicators like what does it mean to be more sustainable? So very scientific approach to that, um, leaving all the romanticism around um, sustainability on the side, and then creating um, cases with like this set of let's say like a new alliance of of the willing. Um, and, and showcase that things are possible. Um, well, thank you very much for uh, joining. I feel I, I feel I've uh, asked a lot of questions, and I hope the, the listeners think they they learned a lot. I, I at least felt I learned a lot. Yeah, I hope I didn't <laughs> just talk too much. No, no, no. <laughs> um, so thank you very much for joining, and um, I wish you a nice trip to uh, Portugal. Yeah, thank you. If you want to read more about the podcast, you can find more info on mesonmats.com slash circularthinkingpodcast and you can follow us on Instagram at mesonmats. All the links can be found in the description. Please let me know what you think, subscribe and leave a review and thank you so much for listening.